Uh, just by way of mother and father, I'd just like to say a couple things. Um, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about the fatherhood of earth is patterned after the fatherhood of heaven. So all you fathers, you have to be the pattern of the father in heaven to your family. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hmm. I don't know if you're going to understand what I have to say today. Um, when you try to explain mysteries, it's very difficult to understand a mystery. Is my mic on? Yeah, the green light's on, and I can hear myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, just, I just want to make this comment. We all must connect eternity to who we are. We all must connect eternity to who we are. Um, I'm on my, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth chapter on the book, on the cross, <clears throat> and it's been a marvelous study. But I have realized that what was announced in Genesis chapter 3, that his head would be bruised and so on. <clears throat> but when you get to the book of Revelation, there's actually worship of the lamb that was slain. And the book of Revelation unfolds the complete results of the cross. The victory the present-day reality, the future judgments is all right there because of the cross. The cross completely dealt with all sin, all failures, all weaknesses. And so what do we look for? Do we just look to go to heaven or do we expect heaven on earth? You see, we're not of this world. Then what part, what, where do we have our existence? In the divine world of salvation. In the divine world where we are the sons and daughters of Almighty God. We are not citizens of this society anymore as far as God is concerned. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of the one who rules all and everything that exists. That's where we are connected. So we must connect our lives to the eternity, meaning the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit the everlasting aspects of who they are. Life is more than meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's where we live. That's our citizenship. That's our authority. That's our power. That is our existence. 
Are you, are you awake? And so it's, it's uh, just let me share a little bit about myself. Self. I remember, I think I was about 24 years old when I was sitting in my living room and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I have never been the same since. I had a drive for God that didn't exist before. But I realized as I read the Bible after that day that there was so much I wanted to discover. There was so much I wanted to actually experience of what God said is ours. To realize the passion for what he says, I came into another realization. He had to take me through a time when he dealt with who I wasn't supposed to be. Like pride, arrogance. For four years. Now that, that sounds negative, but he was preparing me for what I hungered for. Whatever you're going through is a preparation for what you actually long for. The Bible says, Christ in you is the hope of? Oh, that's not just going to heaven. That's also life on earth. Christ in you is your hope of who God is. Because the glory of God is the essence of who he is. When he appears, and he fills the temple with his presence that the priest couldn't minister, that was God. In the book of Revelation, before the judgments poured out, the glory of God is revealed, and then the vials are poured out. Do you know why? Because the glory of God is who God is, and the glory of God is what God does, and the glory of God is what has already been done, and the glory of God is yet what's to come. We so live in a natural world, and uh, because we're born in it. But there is a kingdom, and there is a life that is beyond this world, that exists in us in this world. The limitations of God, there are none. We serve a God who is limitless in power, limitless in ability, limitless in thought, limitless in love. There are no limits in relationship with God. And we must see ourselves in that relationship and that connection with heaven because in our sphere we're limited by time and space and whatever. But in the kingdom of God there are no limits. 
None. I was reading about, I'd just been really taken up with this concept, the glory of God. And I'm trying to understand the essence of that. And whenever you see the glory of God in the Bible, man had a difficult time doing anything. It didn't mean they didn't do anything. But there were times when God just overwhelmed them. And the one that really impressed me was when the musicians were playing and they began to worship and the house was filled with the presence of God. That is heaven to come on this earth. You see, when we worship, when we worship, what happened when they worshiped in the Old Testament the, and the musicians played? The glory of God came down. The presence of God came. And I think we need to lift our expectations a little higher than just the sense of his presence, but actually the manifestation of actually who he really is. And so, just this week, I, I've been just pursuing this particular subject because I realize that this particular subject of the glory of God is actually the manifestation of the complete work of the cross. And it seems to me like God relates to his people wherever they are. Because in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, he is standing in the midst of the candlesticks. And in chapter 1, it interprets who the candlesticks are. It's the churches, the seven churches. And then it shows him with the seven churches in his hand and the keys of hell and death in his hand. So the churches are in the hand of complete victory and freedom. We are in the hand of the Almighty that holds the keys. It is him who unlocks our future. It is him who reveals where we're going. And let me tell you something. We're not just going to heaven. We are walking on this earth with Almighty God in who he is, in all of his glory. And the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And I thought, wow. When you look into heaven, you see the essence of his being. Everything he spoke is real. Everything he spoke manifests. And God through heaven is speaking to us every day. Look who I am. Look what I have done. When you walk on this earth, look up and hear what I'm saying. If I created the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and the trees and the cows and the hills and everything... I can help you. 
And what I said that came into existence is the same power that I said you could walk in. I think we live a life that is less than it should be if we don't connect ourselves with the eternal. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has become into being, has come into being. In him is life. And the life was the light of men. The glory of God is the light that actually shines through our life. Because Christ is in us. The glorified Jesus that is sitting on the throne. Enveloped with the glory of God lives in us. Amen. He lives in us. Amen. Christ in you is the hope of glory, the manifestation of God in our life and through our life. We live in a citizenship of heaven where all has been defeated and everything is victorious and life. Just think of this. There is no sadness in heaven. There is no sorrow in heaven. There are no wrong choices in heaven. And if we connect ourselves to the eternity, we live in that realm. We bring the realization of that realm into my mind and into my heart, into my language and into my attitude. I am victorious. I am who God says I am, and I am who lives in me, and you are who lives in you. It's not your identity that's important. It's the identity of the one who lives in you. In the beginning, I got two messages. I'm trying to make one out of two. One of the passages that really impresses me is, is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, God opened up heaven to Isaiah, and he saw the train filled the house. 
where God is, there is no emptiness. Where God is, there aren't spots that aren't covered. Where God is, he fills. It's his garment. The garment of God is his glory. See, the garment of Adam and Eve was the glory of God. Sin diminished it. But the cross restored it. We are called to live as sons of God, not sons of man. We are, we are the ones who God would manifest who he is on earth, is through us. His love, his kindness, his miracles, his signs and wonders, his peace. It's all ours. You know why? Because we live in the realm. We live in that realm. We're not trying to get there. He took us there. Stop trying to get into his presence. Walk in his presence. Believe in his presence. Allow his presence to make, to allow you to make the right decisions at the right time. We live so much lower than our possibilities. Am I making any sense? His robe filled the temple. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Revelation 15, verse 8, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. This is heaven. If we want heaven on earth, I'll tell you what, there's something's going to happen going to be very unusual. And, and here's the point. The point is this. Uh, smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues and the seven angels were fulfilled. You know what that says? That says when God's going to do something, he manifests himself. He actually doesn't just manifest minimally. He maximizes his manifestation. And we need to believe for the maximum rather than the minimum. What are, you, what are you pursuing in God? Just let me explain something to you. Whatever you're pursuing, God will take you there. But at the right moment, he's going to take you through some things that actually deals with who you are that needs to be dealt with before you go in. 
I've had that happen many, many times just this week. You see, we can't change ourselves, but as we pursue who God is, and as we pursue the immensity of who he is, he brings us to a place where we're willing to go there, but he brings us to a place where we're willing to deal with what he wants to deal with in order for us to actually go there. So if you go through difficult times, praise him. Hallelujah, I am going where he's taken me. <laughs> Excuse me. And where I'm going, and where he's taking me will be a place of victory, conquering, and a new era, and a real realm to live in in my life in a moment that I have not been living in. Why fill the temple with smoke so nobody could minister? Because he had something special to do. You're going to pour out the vials. When God comes to your life and overwhelms you, it's because he has something to do. Don't Minimize God in your life. Maximize God in your life. Do you know how you do that? All the clocks gone. I got all kinds of, th oh, he's got one down here. <laughs> I, I have no other testimony than to share this. That when I, when I pursue truth, I do have to go through some things for that need to be changed in order to go there. <clears throat> and this is the lesson that I learned. And this has been my prayer for the last couple of years now. Because Jesus came and he says, I have come to do my Father's will. And he was totally submitted to what the word, the Old Testament required of him to do. It is written of me. The whole Old Testament is written about Christ. <clears throat> and so he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and redemption is the sub-theme of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is not about whether me or you or a nation. It's about Jesus and redemption. And the revelation that comes out of the interpretation of the Old Testament gives us an understanding of the work of the cross. For instance, let's, let me give you an example. Uh, the, the scapegoat, he fulfilled the scapegoat. One scapegoat died, and one, the, the high priest, laid his hand on the scapegoat. If you can imagine this, under the law, the high priest had the authority to impart all the sins of Israel on that goat, and they send him into the wilderness never to see him again. This reveals to us how Jesus became sin for us. When he hung on the cross, the hand of God came down on him.
and imparted all the sins of the world on him. And he became sin for us. And he put sin to death. And everything that sin brought into existence has been put to death. And it was buried. And he rose out of it. Why did I say that? Every detail in Scripture is to fulfill the will of the Father. Every detail for Jesus' life is to fulfill the will of the Father. And every detail in the Scriptures that's written about you and I is to fulfill the will of the Father. So Jesus says, I came to do my Father's will. And then he gets to the garden. And under great stress, he's abandoned by all of his followers. He stands there all alone before his heavenly Father. And for a moment in his humanity, he said, if this cup could pass, then he says, oh, not my will, but your will be done. This has been my prayer. This has been my focus, not my will, but your will. Not how I want to do things, but how you want to do them. Not what I think, but what has been written about me in the Gospels, in the Epistles. Father, I want to do what you said about me. Jesus, when he, when he said, not my will, you know what happened to him? He had no will of his own. He only had the will of the Father in his heart. And because he submitted to the will of the Father, the cross became the place where he saw a vision. The scriptures explain this. When he was, Isaiah says, when he was put to suffering, he saw his seed. He saw you and I. He saw his seed. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, the will of the Father for all of humanity. Man, the cross is the most infallible plan that I have ever studied. There is not one subject in the Bible that's not connected to the cross. And so the cross is the essence of this. The total disarming of Satan, the total defeat of sin, the total control of sin. Hmm. That's another subject. I'm not going there. It'll take too long. So the cross was a complete work. It was a finished work. There's not one thing that God didn't deal with as far as what Satan brought into existence out of his rebellion in heaven 
to earth. Not one thing. Everything has been put to death, buried, and rose out of it. And you and I are resurrected with Christ, and we have risen out of all the domination of sin. We don't have to obey sin. We don't have to obey the flesh. We don't have to obey the lower man. No, no. We have the power and authority to say no. I got two minutes, now I have 15. I'm just kidding you. Let me read you a verse. I read John 1. Because there's a verse in the first chapter of John that I think we need to grasp. And that is this. In verse 12. It explains in the book how Jesus comes in the incarnation. He comes to this earth and he came to, a dar- to darkness and the darkness did not comprehend him. He came into the world that he created and the world didn't know him. He came unto his own and they rejected him. But he came anyway. Do you know why? Because on the cross, on the cross, he saw seed. And he came to save the lost. He came because he saw his seed. And this is what it says. He came to darkness that didn't comprehend. He came unto his own and so on. But as many as receive him, To them gave he authority to be sons of God. The word sons there, according to the scholars, is not just childhood. It's a legal term. It's like your children are legally yours because they come from you. The law recognizes that you have the right to your children and the children have a right to you and a privilege to live with you and a privilege to be raised by you. So he says, listen, I came into this world, I came and everybody, nobody knew me, nobody kind of me and people just rejected me but you know what? I came anyway because the but, I knew there were people that were going to receive me and I'm, and I'm giving you authority to actually be my son. Now, son is not a gender word. Son is a legal word. Meaning, you're the product of progenity. You are mine. You're part of my family. You're part of who I am. Because you were born of my seed. Because you were born of my life. Because I am your father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been given authority to be who he said we should be. We have a right. We have a a legal, heaven legal, documented right 
to be his son and expect the father to take care of us. Expect the father to mature us. Expect the father to take us on trips. Hallelujah. I mean, I can, I can tell you some of the trips I've been on. Boy, I'll tell you, they're pretty glorious. God's plan is just amazing. So let me read you what you're part of. You're part of his glory. And this is what the word glory means. A manifestation of light, radiance, brightness, and splendor. A manifestation of God's excellent power, glory, and majesty. An excellent reputation of honor, glory, and praise. A state characterized by honor, power, remarkable appearance and glory and splendor. Christ in you is this hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The manifestation of who he is in your life. The manifestation of what's in heaven really living through you. A person created in the image of God. That's oh, just reflecting his glory. That, that phrase just right there. Created in the image of God. Reflecting his glory. In other words, reflecting the essence of who he totally is. What an amazing plan. He has caused us to be part of something that you and I could never imagine, could never plan, could never ever achieve, but he made it possible because we believe. Hallelujah. So as we go about this week, remember, remember, Christ in you is the hope of your glory. Christ in you is your hope of manifestation and honor and praise. It's Christ in you. See, it's not anything that we have earned. It's everything who he is. It's not legalism. It's actually divine favor, divine acceptance, divine forgiveness, and divine ability. We have been called to a legal status of the sons of God. Absolutely amazing. I am so overwhelmed with this in my life. I'm thinking, Lord, I was 24 years old. And he opened heaven to me And my hunger for what's there has never stopped. And I will keep pursuing it until the day I die. 
And here's how God views every condition of humanity, every condition of church. There was the lukewarm church and all those churches. He's standing in the midst of them. And he gives them two things. He says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And he that overcomes. Even the lukewarm church, God had faith in them to overcome. You know why? Because if you can hear the Holy Spirit, you will overcome. Because he's the divine power and authority of Almighty God down here to help us walk in what truth he has revealed to us. So the challenge is, like for my life, I'm saying, Lord, I know I'm not walking in all your truth. I know that. I know there's more. And so I keep pursuing more. And, and, and as I pursue more, God deals with me with certain things in my life. And I don't, I don't stop there. It's tough. It's hard sometimes the way God deals with us. But I can't compare it to where I'm going. So what are you looking for? What are you hoping for? Whatever it is, your Father will take you there. Your Father will take you to Disney heaven. He will take you on a journey that you'll never forget. Father, thank you for your honor. Thank you, Father, for your divine plan. A plan that's beyond our imagination. A plan that is beyond our own ability. But by faith, we believe. And as a son, we stand in our right to be who you called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.